0: Hello, and welcome to the Write Sweats Podcast, the only podcast for writers, by writers, with writers. I'm Jesse, and I'm joined by my co-hosts in person this time, Jennifer and Leah. Hey! Hi, guys. So we're back at Elk. I'm not sure what order these are going in, but we previously recorded an episode in an Airbnb, and we're doing one. The next morning.
1: Our little Right Sweats Retreat 2019.
0: Little mini retreat. And so I'm back here with Jennifer in real life, and Leah in real life, and Dan in real life. He's sleepy on the pancakes. Okay. And we're going to talk this today about copying and being inspired. Because we just got home and it's hard sometimes when you're a writer especially to not want to just um, directly mimic what you've dealt with because... You figured it all out, and you lived in those moments, and sometimes you can't do that, sometimes you can't do that, sometimes ethically it's weird. Also, sometimes, on the flip side, you just want to steal from uh, other artists, and how do you deal with that? So we're going to try to cover some ground today.
1: Yeah, so I think the best place to start with this is the, <coughs> the adage with writing that you should write what you know. Mm-hmm. That the most genuine writing is something that draws on your own experience or something that you understand very well, but at what point does that become either copying, stealing someone else's life, yeah, or just infringing on the privacy of <clears throat> those around you? Right. Like, I mean, for me, it's a constant thing I'm always thinking about
2: um, because I'm really inspired by my family and my friends and... My coworkers, my boss, every pe- anyone I ever meet, I'm like, wow, they'd make a great character, and it's uh, something I don't actually really usually do. Even though I get inspired to do it, I don't really do it because I feel weird and unethical when I'm like, basically ripping off a person's personality and putting them into a book. Yeah. And I worry about how that might make someone else feel if they recognized their character. Like if I wrote a story about a girl with eight siblings. Yeah would all my siblings be like, hey, Jen, I think that you're writing about us. You know?
1: Firstly, are they going to read it? (laughs) No. I sure hope so. That's not a... Probably not, though. (laughs) That's not a real thing. You don't get away with it just because someone doesn't know that it happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that line is. I think I've tried for a long time in my own writing to not write anybody I knew. Mm -hmm. To not base it on anyone that I'm... uh, associated with and I think that's hurt my character development. Mm-hmm. I think that I don't necessarily give people, the, my characters, those traits that in people around me I really appreciate and love and uh, admire mm-hmm. or even just don't like you know, <clears throat> they're missing, my characters end up missing depth because I'm not grounding them in something real or someone real. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not all of that person. Maybe it's just one thing about that person.
2: Well, I think that's a big part of it. Because for me, I'm never... It's not like I'm straight up inspired by, like, absolutely every component of a person's personality all in one person. Mm. It's more like, oh, I noticed that they um, really... Like, they do this one thing a lot. And that would be really cool if a character did that one thing a lot as well. So it's like a specific tick or a personality trait. Like, specific things. You never, like... All of it, because right. I'm not writing a memoir, but
1: yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with, even... with a lot of memoirs, you'll see that where they write, you know, a version of a person or a combination of a few people, and then you know, Oprah gets mad at you because it's not true.
2: Even though memoirs can be a little bit the
0: memoirs don't have to be true. Yeah. Right. Um, but that, I mean, also that's sort of like if you're worried about that, one way to that I deal with it is just to write, yeah, take parts of people and sort of combine them, like Jen was saying, or try to write a character that feels like that without being explicit about it. Uh, also, at the same time, I just kind of tried to avoid it all and just <laughs> not do anything too specific. And I don't know how to get over that. I've always felt like that may be an hindrance just because I'm always afraid of somebody's reading it and what they're going to respond when they read it but you know you can't be writing for a reader
1: i think the other thing and we've talked about this with a lot of different writing topics is respect and having respect for the person that you're drawing on because even if it's someone that you don't like even if i'm to take you know my arch nemesis the person in this world that i cannot stand yeah and to base someone off of them you still have to have a respect and understanding for that person In order to treat that character like a real character. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, ideally, uh, if you're just using somebody you know as a stock character, then why even use somebody you know?
1: Right, exactly. If it's meant to just be a stereotype, you know, the villain, the mean girl, right? The stereotype, don't draw on a person. Yeah.
0: Unless you're actively trying to be mean, but then that's a different story.
1: Yeah, and is that is that going to help your writing or is that just going to make you cuz we've all read those authors that's like oh they hate women. Yeah. Yeah. This person hates women and it comes through in every you know if you're just being mean for the sake of being mean is it going to help your story or help your narrator or is it just making you look like an asshole?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that so yeah, I think the respect thing is is part of it cuz I think even if you were to use some of the bad things about people you love, because we're all humans and we're all flawed, I think there's a way to show those things in a way that is respectful. To show your, you know, if you want to write a full character and give them flaws like you give them, you know, positive traits.
0: Yeah. Now what happens if you're writing like a more fantastic sort of text, like you're writing a sci-fi or a fantasy, how do you guys deal with, using real-life characters and situations in that situation where it's never going to be a one-to-one sort of thing
2: personalities and things like that still are the same in fantasy if you're yeah. writing a character well it's they're going to be just as real as anyone in our world so you can still end up inadvertently copying someone's personality or name or things like that
0: do you ever feel more free to copy and in- Crip for real life in that situation, Or you're hidden behind so. something.
2: I think for me, one of the big things is I'm always wanting to write characters who've um, who I can see myself in, or I can see my siblings in, or something like that. Because I don't think that those characters exist yet in like fantasy, for example. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I'd really like a character where her mother passed away and she's not depressed about it mm-hmm. because I'm so tired of the story. Where it like takes over the character's life is like finding her mother. Like I don't want that. Right. I want one who's well adjusted to it. <laughs> um, and so to write that though, then I'm like, I feel sometimes kind of weird about it because I'm like, oh, I guess I'm just, I'm not really, I'm getting too inspired by real life. And anyway though, I think you can, I think you can still accomplish that in fantasy, and you can create that separation by adding other characteristics to those people and just, I mean, even just this narrative is
1: going to be completely different. You know, I think a little bit of it is it seems easier to hide behind, but it's not. I think that once you start playing with the what ifs, when you start to give, you know, in theory, you give a real person that you've based this on. Mm -hmm. Like if I were to write you as a character in my fantasy book, and I've now assigned you a fictional race other than human. Yeah. With its own traits and baggage. So if I, you know, made you a dwarf, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: maybe I'm talking a little bit more about your stubbornness or your relationship with alcohol. And if I made you an elf, I'm talking about how aloof and Mm -hmm. you know, detracted you can get when you get really distant. You know, if I write you as... I don't
0: know if we need a third example of things wrong with me. No!
1: (laughs) But, you know, but that's the thing. It's not necessarily anything wrong with you, but you start to add other subtext to it, Mm. even if the character has nothing to do with those things. Yeah, that makes sense. Even if I'm talking about all the wonderful things I like about you, by assigning you to one of these things, I've added another facet, which maybe I didn't intend to, but it does carry some subtext, too.
0: Yeah. I'm bad at characters, so I don't really know how any of that works. Um, I typically typically try to keep my characters as sort of blank as they can be until things are put upon them, uh, especially the protagonists. But, but there's certainly, when I'm writing a character that's not the protagonist, I certainly have an idea in my head of what that person is. Is and who they remind me of and what I'm cribbing from a little bit, I guess.
2: I guess there are times, too. I mean, it's pretty rare that I'm thinking of an actual person that I know. Yeah. Usually I'm thinking of a personality trait that I've seen yeah. in many people.
1: Right. And if and at that point, if you're coming at it from a space of, this is something I know from multiple people, if that person wants to go and find themselves in it, mm-hmm. a little bit of that is their prerogative. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, I see a lot of myself in books that I've read by authors I've never met.
0: Well, that's true. And you're always going to do that. Mm
1: -hmm. You're going to look for the things that remind you of you or that you aspire to be or that you maybe are embarrassed about. Yeah. Things you can connect with. Definitely.
0: Well, what do we think about on the other side of not so much borrowing from real life, but borrowing from other authors or other creators?
2: Other media. Um.
0: Because I know that there's there's no way you can kind of avoid it, especially nowadays where everything is so saturated and everything's been done before. Um, but also, there's a bit where, especially now, you have to be owning your references or it seems like you're ripping somebody off. You know, like, if something like Stranger Things wasn't so obvious and going, oh, here's all of our references... Then you would say that they're a rip-off and they don't have to change the change the actual content. Mm-hmm. You know, the context of the content is all that matters now when it comes to that sort of stuff. But what do you guys think?
1: I think I think it's unavoidable. I think that it's always been like that. Uh-huh. You know, I mm-hmm. think that now that we have so many types of media It's not just books. It's not just plays. You know, we have television. We have movies. We have podcasts. We have, Mm -hmm. you know, any number of things that you can be inspired by without realizing it. You're going to rip someone off. Period. Yeah. And that's not to say that you should do it without shame. But I think you should be in touch enough with yourself to understand where it comes from. Even if you're not explicit with that in your writing. Yeah. You know, even with my my fantasy analogies that I just gave you, those are straight Tolkien references. Yeah. And while there are facets of that in other things like Dungeons and Dragons lore and other fantasy books, you know, I know that my default fantasy is Tolkien fantasy. Yeah. And I have to, if I'm writing fantasy, I have to come to terms with that and challenge it to say, am I doing this because I want to write another piece of Lord of the Rings fan fiction? Or am I doing this because it's comfortable to me, and I can tell a story through these characters or through these types of characters?
0: Yeah, I guess the the fan fiction story, the fan fiction comparison comes up a lot too, because if we go back to something as basic as Fifty Shades, she just wrote a fanfic and then changed a couple names and then said it was a different thing, you know. So that that might be. Obviously on the line of what not to do, because even though it's successful and she's not technically ripping off anything off, it still feels a little naked in its ambition, Uh, as opposed to something that might have those those references more subtextual. But I don't know if one's better than the other. There's two different ways to do the same thing.
1: Well, and I don't even know with Fifty Shades if...
0: Something about Fifty Shades reads, though, as this was the quickest way to make... This many dollars.
1: Although you gotta, you gotta admit
2: that she did a poor job of retelling that story in an alternate universe. Well, that's the other
0: yeah. thing too. Is yes, yeah, I could steal as much as I want, but if I'm not talking then my stunted version of Middle Earth is now my own thing, right? A little bit. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think about that a lot because, especially with how much I watch um, and read Chinese fiction, I'm really inspired by a lot of Chinese legends that are turned into fantasy stories. In uh, like Chinese media, like the kingdoms of heaven, hell, earth, water, fire. Monkey King. Yeah, stuff like that. I'm not joking. Like I really love all these uh-huh. um, Chinese legends, and so I'm like very inspired by them. But at the same time, writing about them, I'm like obviously not educated in Chinese history. I'm not mm-hmm. a Chinese person, so it becomes complicated for me because I want to write about the things that I'm inspired by, but I don't want to make a mockery.
0: Yeah.
1: And we could spend a whole episode talking about things along that line and at what point are you appropriating someone's culture. Exactly. Yeah. It's, Once, that, I think, is, is almost more dangerous than copying a piece of fiction.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. it's And that's exactly what it becomes like, or what becomes challenging when writing about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of why I've stayed away a little more than with like other things I'm inspired by that are Western because I know those things... Uh, like front, back, and sideways, you know? Like it's really easy to
1: what Western things.
0: Front, back, and sideways?
1: Is that not a saying? I made it up. Explain That's it to saying. the listeners. <laughs> it means that from the front, it looks like you have a butt. And um, it's from sideways, it looks like you have a butt. So front, this butt, This is like in sideways. Freakalake.
0: Peaky <laughs> like, hit from the front, um, hit from the back. That one?
1: See, I was I was making a I was inspired by, by Pablo and you just started up
2: uh, Pablo.
1: <laughs> so now it's starting to.
0: I think now it's hard to
1: enter a weird pornhub
2: territory, <laughs> right?
0: I think it's hard when you're writing because when I've read like things that go and this song was on the radio and it's got three lines from that song and then it you know or it has. Uh, explanation of what was on tv of a show we've all seen without any sort of new analysis to it it's really kind of weird right uh unless that's the point of it is that it's supposed to be some sort of cultural collage um and those things are usually more fragmented i think and and intentionally so and i'll see it in poetry a lot more you know here's a couple song lyrics or something so i think with the with the written word it's a little tougher to go here's an obvious reference Because you don't have the visual cues or even the sound cues, you know? If you, you know, wrote something about a ghost and then have the Ghostbusters theme play inside your book, that might be a little weird and hard to pull off. But if you just show, you know, (laughs) somebody in the Ghostbusters outfit all for two seconds and then have the song play, then you got a Stranger Things episode, you
1: know? Right.
0: Um. So, I think it's a different question. I mean, it's just. I think it's one of those things that you should either do carefully or not carefully when writing. Either make that the whole fucking thing or use it very sparingly and just sort of as table setting. Right. Or wall design or whatever. Because otherwise, when those things get too big, I feel like you kind of just. Ready player one it. But at the same time, did you guys ever read the brief, wondrous life of Oscar Wilde? Remember that one? Yeah, I did read that. Where it's full of it's full of pop culture references, but what the writer does is he puts like an asterisk next to it, and then he explains it at the bottom. But then slowly, the footnotes get almost larger than the actual book because then he starts explaining like the Cuban Revolution, I think, inside of the footnotes with it. But with, like, the footnote being, like, attached to a Dungeons & Dragons reference. Uh-huh. And it'll explain, like, what that is and then be, like, similar to in the Cuban... And then it's got that narrative going through at the same time.
2: Well, and the footnotes become a story. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. Um, it's really... that. It's actually a really strong book. Like, so good. Uh, and that's a good example of when you can make a lot of references. And he did something interesting with it, too. He showed you why his nerdy interests actually do influence like growing up. Yeah. And I don't know, it's
0: just it was really good.
2: See, but that's all it's too
0: bad he's been cancelled.
2: But that's all was
1: he? Mm-hmm. Oh, I wasn't updated on that.
0: Him and Sherman Alexi. We're losing all the good ones.
1: <laughs> but that's using those references with a purpose. That's like yeah. basing someone off your mother for a purpose. Yeah. For a purpose.
0: Well, that's what yeah. right. I want to say quickly. Yeah, that's what I want to say. I just always want to go say, to say, if it's good, if there's a reason. But I think there's also good non-reasons to have a, a character be somebody from your real life or be, make a explicit reference to something. Like what? I mean, there's no reason that everything has to be something. If you're one of those writers where every scene, line, symbol, image is for a point, then that's fine. But that's Mm -hmm. not how everyone works. A lot of times there's just scenes for the sake of scenes, images for the sake of images. Not everything has to be moving a plot forward or a development forward. Um,
1: But that purpose could... Like, that purpose could be for the writer to ground that scene. Yeah. You know, if if I'm writing a fantasy piece and there's a character in the background of the tavern that reminds me of my father, Yeah, that may be just the thing, you know, it may have nothing to do with the plot, but it's just the piece I need to make it feel more real as I'm writing it.
0: Well, that's, and, and that's fine. Yeah. I think, because I, I want to say, oh, you should do these references for a reason when I don't think that's true. I think you can have references for no reasons and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a hard sort of thought experiment to do, but there's plenty of non-linear, non-plot-based writing out there. You know, it's not not a rare genre. Right. That's full of stuff like that. Like, I remember reading this book called... uh, Autobiography of Something. I can't remember what it is now. Sorry. But this writer uses, um, like, Zen Buddhist teachings of, like, automatic writing and secret autobiography because I guess you're supposed to write secret autobiographies like Buddhist monks do where they don't share them with anyone. Oh. Um, And she has a whole sequence where she starts just talking pretty much for nothing about those movie posters they have in like Senegal where they have to hand paint them. Oh. And they're really like bananas. You know there's like the one with for Jerry Maguire that shows a badly drawn Tom Cruise with two Uzi guns. (laughs) And that was a part of her thing and it was it was as enlightening as the, like, straight biography stuff was, or state autobiography stuff was. But I couldn't tell you why, but I know it was very much not just like, oh, also those posters are weird. It was like, I'm going to go for 40 pages about these posters for some reason. And I remember that being very successful. So I wouldn't say that that has maybe a reason So explicitly.
1: But, but I think those things have a reason these don't have to be a reason for the, the reader.
0: Yeah.
1: I think there's a difference between throwing something in because you're not a strong writer and you think that this is just going to add color or flavor to your work uh-huh. and really trying to write through something that maybe you know, you don't understand but you're trying to pick through and maybe you get to the answer at the end of it and maybe you don't. But that could, I think that's something that has... Maybe not a powerful significance, but it's something the writer wants to talk about.
0: Yeah. Whether
1: well, then, or not it, it moves anything forward or not is not important.
0: I think then that brings up then what I think would be the, the one of the dangers of this, of taking from your real life and taking from popular culture or other authors or whatever, and that's that nostalgia trap where, oh, I've created an image of my past so well, even the songs are the same, It also then that's where it stops. Right. And it's just like weren't things better back then End of story. You know. You know, for every Iron Giant there's uh, this boy's life or whatever, like gets like it's really into like how great the fifties were. Yeah. Um so what do you guys think about that? <laughs> Talk about my point. All right.
2: Can you restate 100% of your point, please? I think the issue, <laughs> the
0: thing that grosses me out when I'm watching a, I guess the difference would be like Green Book versus like Pulp Fiction, Oh where, you know, Pulp <laughs> Fiction has these homages oh. and these references and these things are, at the time were crazy because why would you talk about pop culture and a piece of pop culture, but then when you watch it again, you're like, oh, this was very much like how Gen X was at the time, they were all just saturated with old images, it's not really going like, oh, I missed the 60s, it's just like Quentin Tarantino was raised watching Brady Bunch reruns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the nostalgia isn't so much there of like, weren't, wasn't things better back then? Oh, and right, right, right. I yeah. think that's when borrowing from characters and borrowing from other people gets toxic is when it's nostalgia. Like, if I'm telling a story and I'm like, oh, I wrote my sweet grandma in there, and then there's just grandma and me just sort of waxing poetic about my sweet grandma. It's just, what's the point of this? You know?
2: Well, I can see what you're trying to say here. Maybe that it's just like when you... You can get into... You can cross a line into almost uh, deifying stuff or like worshipping it. To, um, yeah. Putting it on a pedestal, I guess. Right. And that doesn't feel truthful um, to audiences. It might feel truthful for you, but that's a different experience. And, and so... Yeah, I can see the danger there, especially if what you're, you know, deifying is, you know, something really disgusting. Yeah. Um,
1: Or really just pointless.
2: Or if you're distracted by, if you're distracted by something that you like or something like that, and you're ignoring something more significant. Like, that's what I think Green Book did very wrong, was, like, the more interesting story was the aside. right? Right. And I was like, what the hell? Like... And that's actually happened in Twilight as well, like with the char- That's not inspiration though, so maybe I'll drop that topic. But
0: no, let's talk about the Green books the same as Twilight. Well,
2: <laughs> my only point was in Twilight the there were a lot of like vampires in the Cullen family that had really amazing, interesting yeah. backstories, and we get like glimpses of them instead of like entire stories that should have been about those people who were absolutely fascinating. Yeah, as
1: I was gonna say, Edward Cullen's life was pretty freaking boring compared to all of his siblings yeah yeah and so actually you know what it does count though because
2: um they, those backstories were inspired by real history and that's what made them so interesting and so it was like that's what was so disappointing was that we had this character who was a civil war vampire yeah who, that's
0: an int- i always think you know, about that story that's an interesting yeah
2: like he like operated an army of vampires and we mm-hmm. didn't get that it's like why are you s- kidding why they didn't, didn't they them- spin
0: them all off
2: I think that's what should have happened is those characters should have had their own stories. We should have seen the Civil War vampires. That you would have mean, been way more You didn't want
1: to read the same story over again from Edward's point of view. Well, it's like
0: there's no way that conversation hasn't been had with Stephanie Meyer. Right. Or that she's brought up that for all we know.
2: Well, she's so wealthy now, do you really have to worry about like yeah, That's that?
0: right. She's working on the casual vacancy too. That's like the example of like a book a writer doesn't need to write, isn't it? We're well, like, JK doesn't need to write anything of her again. That's why she's writing terrible movies. Uh huh. And the play I've never seen. And
1: uh, tweets about Dumbledore's. Tweets gay, about everything. Gay life. Yeah. That's just too much. Too much, JK. Too much. Well, so this is a question for you, Jesse, yeah. because Jen and I read and write more fantasy and science fiction. As someone who is not versed and fairly not interested in the genre, yeah, can you pick out when someone is cribbing from Lord of the Rings or Dungeons and Dragons or Star in, Trek or Star in Wars? In a very
0: large sense. Like, in the same sense that I would be able to tell you that something was a steampunk novel as opposed to a cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. So, like, very largely I could kind of go like, oh, this is sort of swords and dragons or this is lovecraftian weird or this is i can kind of do that but that's to the point where it's almost a genre in itself right um so a little bit a little bit but mainly it's just the motifs i think i i know and i don't know where they're from half the time
2: so. okay just the recognizable tropes and motifs that makes sense
0: yeah i mean but i mean like also i don't know if i could tell you if i read like a romance novel if this was you know, in the Jane Austen sense, or if it's in the Joan Collins sense. I mean, I could tell the difference between those two. (laughs) I would hope so. But, you know, that's... I try not to get too caught up on genre and using, bringing that into being an explanation of how things are going to work in the book. But I also know that you kind of have to... If you're looking at it larger than just looking at it straight on, you have to know a little bit about what the text is doing or not doing in those constraints, but also not not hold too tightly to them.
1: I'm not saying in in the genre sense. I'm saying, like, would you be able to tell that someone has set this fake story in Middle Earth in everything but name? Like, would you be able to recognize that stuff?
0: I don't know. I mean, I I don't read enough to even know that.
1: Yeah.
2: See, and I think,
1: you know... Because I can tell.
2: Yeah, and I think any fantasy reader... You, know, you can recognize when someone has written Middle Earth. You can recognize when someone has written Westeros. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are differences between Middle Earth and Westeros, even though they're similar, for example. So I don't know. I think they're all kind of inspired by each other. That's a natural thing. You talked about that at the beginning, Leah, that some inspiration and influence from things that already exist is just completely unavoidable. It's just... it's quite literally impossible to write something 100 yeah. yeah. percent original I think, right i think we've all gotten to that point where we've
1: accepted that yeah we don't write elves like little uh fanciful sprites hiding in trees anymore
2: well and even if we did even if someone invented a new type of elf or something like that in reality it's still inspired by something even if they're not recognizing yeah. what they were inspired by
1: yeah yeah and i guess well, I mean, I, I mean, don't. I think the the thing that I, I get a little bit nostalgic for is when I thought these ideas within myself were original, when I didn't understand where the references were coming yeah, from. Yeah. Uh, we make fun of everyone when you play Dungeons and Dragons because inevitably you get to the point where you're gonna play a drow that's kind of edgy and like wants to live in society, and you're just Driss Jordan.
0: Yeah. You just two.
1: Driss Jordan. I don't know what that is. It's a Neverwinter thing. Oh, okay. Forgotten Realms.
0: I think there's this point where, and like what you're saying, and it's not just when you get older, I think it's just, I've seen Jen do it because she's also like, you know, says she's not seen a lot of things and is unaware of maybe some of the, the, where these references have come from. Um, There's also a point, I think, where if you don't, absorb a lot of references or a lot of other things you're able to write without knowing what you're cribbing from and that's fine but then it gets to this point where you're so overloaded with them that it's irresponsible for you to not be acknowledging where they're from if you're smart not smart enough but if you're aware enough to know where they're from you have to be acknowledging in that in a way whether it's in yourself or in the text right does that make sense
2: yeah i agree i think acknowledging what you're inspired by is pretty pretty important and um I just
1: felt a lot better about myself when I didn't know where these were coming from. Yeah. <laughs> well, I felt still, those
2: words. <laughs> it's still impressive and creative to string together something that is your own, your own spin. It's yeah. not like you're literally just Tolkien all over again. No one is. And so, I mean, in that sense, it is original because it's your own, yeah, your own creation.
0: Well, I mean, and you guys, well, we've kind of mitigated this once with the fanfic stuff, you know you don't go with a fanfic, you don't go like a Lord of the Rings one, you're like, it's good, but it's no Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, there's there's no, there's no reason it has to be the same. You're not stealing at the same level. Too. Right.
1: Yeah. So, well, what do you do with something? Because I remember this being, I, I never read the books, but I remember sitting in the movie theater for that, Dra- oh. Aragon, the dragon movie that the kid wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And realizing that beat by beat, it was Star Wars A New Hope.
0: Do you think he just wrote it with dragons instead?
1: I, see, and it was written by a kid, so I don't want to say, like, oh, all he did was rip off Star Wars. He probably did
2: it unintentionally.
1: Yeah, but I can imagine being, because I don't remember how old he was when he wrote it, but let's say 14. They claim
0: he's a lot younger than I believe he really is.
1: That aside, let's say he's 14 for the sake of not being able to Google how old he was. Yeah. Uh, when I was 14, if Star Wars was huge to me. Yeah. You know, that's going to sit in the back of my head as, you know, a great narrative structure. Well, there's no crossover great adventure. between
0: Dragon Kids and Star Wars Kids, right? They're usually totally different no. sides of the playground. No. Not, not at all. all. I know, I know.
1: Well, I have a theory about that, but... About Dragon Kids? No, I... about um, the Great Nerd Divide.
0: Oh, um, here's my verdict. You're all still nerds. End of the discussion.
1: So my theory is that in our generation, and they'll be different in the next generation, but in our generation, if you prefer Star Wars over Star Trek, your parents weren't nerds.
0: Do you think that'll that'll work any longer than it does now?
1: I don't know. And if you prefer Star Trek over Star Wars, your parents were probably also nerds.
2: Mm, Well, I have news for you. I prefer Star Trek, and my parents were not nerds. Oh, you're (laughs) the first
1: person I met that breaks that mold. (laughs) I always like it because it's not full of war. (laughs) Well, and I've grown to like Star Trek a lot.
0: You mean it doesn't have war in the title?
1: I'd say there is a lot of war in
0: Star Trek. (laughs)
1: Yeah, but it just, the premise is a little more warm-hearted and sweet. yeah yeah tell that to the borg borg <laughs> all those warm-hearted borg
0: are they doing a a borg uh borg storylines in the new ones i don't know because that's like the one place where you could actually like say something interesting with the borg
1: you could yeah. say something interesting with a lot of them except for the brain
0: i know but we're past the borg one we're past just like oh they're part machine. And now it's like, oh, but we're all kind of part machine now. You know, like...
1: Sometimes you're part machine, part supermodel.
0: Like you're Tom Hardy?
1: Seven of
0: nine. Oh, Tom Hardy.
1: I can't talk Star Trek with you. You don't know what I'm talking about. Tom
0: Hardy was his first acting role. He was in Insurrection as a Borg. Do you not know that? Back yeah, when- but... Right before you did all those MySpace pictures of oh, them those Tidy Whities.
1: I love those
0: pictures. <laughs> They're so funny. They're so good. There was... The Tom Hardy
1: cast. If I
2: think about the Star Wars Extended Universe, which I have not read a lot of, but I've heard a lot about.
1: Yeah, and none of it's canon anymore, suckers. Well, there was a lot of it, though, that I thought was pretty
2: cool, like the Force Bond stuff, which actually is in the movies now, too, I guess, but stuff like that was really
1: cool to
0: me. Mid, uh, Mary Jade. That seems like a gen thing.
1: I just, I, I got turned off to the Star Wars EU just by nature of it became the Skywalker soap opera. It mm-hmm. really did. It was hard to keep track See, of. See, and
2: that for me, I since I didn't really know about that part, I guess I I probably wouldn't have been on board because I'm not very strongly attached to any of the famous names.
1: Oh, that's the thing. It's not them. It's their children. Mm-hmm. And they're like super force sensitive slash Jedi slash Sith children.
0: Well, there's also the back and forth of like Luke, where he's a good guy, then he's a Sith Lord for a year, and then he's a Jedi Lord, and then he's a Sith Lord again. Like, that sort of shit, too, is just kind of exhausting if you didn't start there.
1: And let's be completely real the emotional core of the Star Trek, Star Trek, the Star Wars franchise, is Chewbacca. And if you are going to kill Chewbacca by having him get crushed by a moon, I want nothing to do with you. That's a good way to go, though.
0: I'd rather him just get shot with a blaster and be done with.
1: Well, he's still alive in these movies now, so
0: I just assume that Chewie. He may going. as well be dead in these movies, though. He doesn't do anything.
1: Well, no, now they have the new actor in there, so.
0: I don't think the new ones. He's. he's isn't that weird? How like he's obviously worse than, what's his name?
1: He's just yeah. Peter, Peter Mayhew, Mayhew. Peter yeah. Mayhew could emote through that suit. Well, I also think they're not really writing
2: Chewbacca to do anything. No, is, he's just like, oh look, he's looking at the little birdie. Doo-doo. Well, it Never should be hey, it
0: hey. should be Chewbacca's big show though, because his best friend just died.
1: Yeah, exactly. That but, was wait. Movie. You mean that we don't know how to do emotional stories in in Star Wars?
0: Yeah. I mean, Disney's doing it with Groot. What's the difference? Chewbacca is more vocal than Groot. If you can do Groot, you can do Chewbacca.
1: I was about to say that they, everyone is shitting on Ryan Johnson, but you know
0: it's pronounced Rain... Rian. Rian.
1: Um, but he took you know, and this is the guy that took the big <laughs> "I am your father" moment uh-huh. of you know, Empire Strikes Back, and in his in this trilogy, made it. You really aren't anything. Deal with that. We'll see. I do like that. I love that. You don't think this is going to
0: backtrack that shit? Oh, I
1: think they are, and I am going to be so upset. Are talking about Ray's parentage? Yes. They
2: confirmed they will not backtrack that. So I'm yeah, praying we'll to see. God that that was oh. true, because we'll I love that, too. I love that so much, because I come from nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not make her a fucking like, weird, famous person.
1: But see, there's another thing. There is a character. There is a you know, quote unquote strong female character who has no parents. Mm-hmm. And that's not her defining trait.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. but but what her her defining trait is in in opposition to somebody else's defining trait. So the reason that she her not having interesting parents is interesting is because Luke had interesting parents. Well, well and also
2: no, but uh, just... Kylo also does not, or Ben does not. Or he does have ben, yeah, super famous parents.
0: Yeah. Right, but as I'm saying so. Yeah, she could be a strong female character without attachment to her parents, all she wants. But her disattachment to her parents is attached to somebody else's, a man's attachment to their parents, two men's attachment to their four parents. So, how much of that is what Jen is talking about?
1: It's not necessarily what Jen is talking about, but yeah. I think well, you and should... she was
2: also like hunted for them quite aggressively. So it's that's true. Very much not um, exactly what I was talking about. Jen, but did you watch? Did you see Mortal Engines? I've not seen it.
0: That one's pretty funny. Because her mom dies when she's young. And then her her dad um, figure is this uh, immortal robot killing machine. <laughs> and so then she runs away. And then he spends most of the movie hunting her down. And he like, just murders everybody. And then she's like, oh. And he's like. Oh, doctor, and then dies, and that's the end of
1: it. Isn't that what your life has been like? It's exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> no, but I think you have to. I think it would have been like Ray searching for her parents makes sense, even if it, even if it's not necessarily you and oh. your experience of being okay with. Yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially in the context of
2: what Jesse's talking about, like the men with their mm-hmm. insane you know lineage and then she's trying to like also be as impressive as them and have her amazing lineage and then it's like jk you don't have fucking anything yeah. in your, in your yeah. history so I you guess, have to do it on your own like you get to start yeah. that lineage you will be the legend on your own All what, right, I, what I meant so to good. get to
0: was that that would then be an example of cribbing a previous work and have it be for a reason. So, oh,
1: yeah, yeah, because it is the Luke, I am your father moment. Ray not
0: having parents is because we assumed that Ray was going to be. She started off on a desert town, it turned out she was good at other stuff, you know, like that's almost one to one. The Luke Skywalker story, right? And then, oh, you guys know what's gonna happen in the second one, J- JK, it doesn't, you know, yeah, so that, that's another You're way, Right, to do so that. it
2: was, and it. Obviously, it's inspired by itself. It's its own history. It's like that's actually a very good point, Jesse. That it you can deliberately be inspired by and almost kind of like go a different direction deliberately, yeah. and that be a point. That's like a something you're communicating that you don't need to have the identical story. But everyone knows that it was the foil to
0: Luke, yeah. right? Well, and then that's I mean, and also just in a storytelling way, that's a way to make the same story. Emotionally resonant again because if you mm-hmm. had learned the same way that Luke did that she has famous parents, we're like, we already saw that once before, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it serves a couple purposes. <laughs>
1: now, does that cribbing, does that you know, intentionally parallel structure, d- is that part of what makes this a better Star Wars than uh, the prequels? Well, Ignoring the yeah. acting and all the other things that people have said about the prequels. Does this structural well, parallel to the original kind of ground it and make it more... Well, when you talk about the prequels,
0: then all of a sudden I'm hesitant to call 7, 8, and 9 a part of the same sequence because it's a whole different set of stories with some characters coming back or not. Yeah. Um. So it's hard to say because the prequels are definitely a prequel to the first three, to 4, 5, and 6. Mm-hmm. Um like it's just a continuation. Right. You know? So I, I don't I don't quite know.
1: But I think that you could have written a prequel story this is this has been the thing I have the I thought experiment I fall in the hole of is how do you rewrite the prequels to make them make all of the same things happen but make it sound like a Star Wars story.
0: Well, I mean that's we figured out how to do that with Rogue One. How do we tell 4, 5, and 6 over again in one story with new characters and have it be emotionally resonant like the first three?
1: I'm saying, how do you take the story of Anakin Skywalker, which has been made a movie and we yeah. can't just ignore anymore? Well, some people do, but you shouldn't. And how do you... How do you tell that same story in a way that makes it feel more attached to... Four, five, and six, seven, eight, and
0: nine. I think truly, even something as small as making it look visually like four, five, and six would have done a lot of work for that, because they look so fucking different.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one is almost cartoonishly Disneyified, which yeah. I don't even Disney didn't even own it then, but it was so Disneyified. It
0: seems like it's a Disney thing.
1: Yeah. Know? I don't know. I think that you. I think you tell a different story. I think you tell more of Obi Wan's story, not just. The Anakin story.
0: Well, they keep uh, re-announcing they're going to do Obi-Wan and taking it back and re-announcing it and taking it back. And now Ewan is getting old.
1: Whatever. He's not. He's fabulous. He can do anything. Just watch Fargo. He's one of those
0: actors, too, that's like, oh, you want me to play 25? And he, like, sucks his face in and he looks 25 again. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like Tilda.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Why isn't she even in
0: it? A- it's weird that she hasn't been like she wasn't in like the Jedi Council.
1: She is my Jedi Council.
0: Maybe she'll play Yaddle in the next
1: one. <laughs> no. Is yaddle. yaddle
0: alive? I don't know. She probably got She probably got Order sixty six, didn't she? Yeah, probably. Do you know about Yaddle?
1: Yes, I know about Yaddle. Jen, do you know about Yaddle? I do not.
0: Lady Yoda. They call her Yaddle because her her boobs, Yaddle down. I don't know why. It sounds... <laughs> That's disgusting. I know, it sounds like it's significant, though, they named her that as opposed to Yoda.
2: So is this kind of like the Bowsette- Bowser thing, or is this...
0: <laughs> no. Well, maybe. No, Yaddle's this... just a different...
2: Is she a real character, yeah, or is maybe. she, like, just weird internet people thing?
0: <laughs> both? I mean, Star Wars are both, yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely both.
0: Isn't she, like, essentially like an honorary Jedi because she was locked into that... Um... She was locked in a dungeon for like 3,000 years or something. I
1: have no idea.
0: That's her thing is she she gets locked into a dungeon and then that's why she looks like Yoda because she had to meditate enough to have like pure force energy keeping her going. Oh wow. Because Yoda's not like a species. He's like the force personified or something weird. Anyways. (laughs) Another episode of Star Wars Talk. (laughs) This is I think
1: our first real episode of Star Wars Talk.
0: Not at all. This is third or fourth. How Anyways, any last thoughts about cribbing or taking from real life or other people's works?
1: I think that if you're going to write fan fiction, write fan fiction and there's no shame in that. Yeah. I think that if you're going to create an original work, don't get hung up on what you may be stealing on. Yeah. I think you have to be aware of it, but if you feel like you're di- you're going too far down that hole, you know, don't Don't try to deviate from it in your first couple of drafts. Yeah, Yeah,
2: it's okay to take your time to kind of feel it out. Um, You can use inspiration like something like Tolkien or Star Wars to kind of get your feel for like sci-fi or fantasy, and then, or mean any other genre as well. Like if you're writing a romance novel, you can go page by page of like some of the Harlequins you love, and then you can explore what you want to do differently, like with Outlander or something.
1: And maybe E. L. James did it the right way we just saw it too early in the process maybe you do completely crib something to kind of find your own voice in it and let it evolve away from that yeah. crutch
2: yeah mm-hmm. and also to be honest with kind of no shame and just like writing stuff that's like beat by beat stuff that we all recognize because that stuff has a place and it's fun and i like it yeah, yeah there's I mean, no I'm not, problem I, with it
0: i don't really think that like people People are like they stole from that person. I'm like, I don't care, it's different, you know. If it's not blatant plagiarism for the sake of just making money off somebody's thing,
2: well, and I think you can't
0: really avoid it, and why not? You know, people don't own ideas.
2: The only thing that gets well, well, there is you can have,
0: I know technically you can, but I don't think people can. <laughs>
2: For me, it's more like if I were to be inspired by Tolkien. Tolkien's huge, so that's not a big deal. If I were inspired by a very small book, yeah, with like a low readership and like maybe they haven't like hit it big yet, and I stole their story, retold it with new names, and I got it bi- like got big and like I'm getting forward. mad at you just <laughs> describing. <laughs> Like that for me is like if you're stealing from the little guy and you're getting like famous, like Mm. that for me is when I'm like, What the fuck? Yeah, back it up, don't
1: steal from the little guy, right? But at the same time, as three little guys out into the world, um, you know, just because the three of us are sitting in an Airbnb talking about writing, Mm -hmm. if we were to find there to be another podcast of uh, three friends, two guys, one girl sitting in a fancy hotel, talking about writing, uh, I would not necessarily think that they stole it from no. us.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. And I think when you talk about actual, literal, like, theft, that's that was done with intention. That's right. not inspiration. It's different. Like, if you intended to do steal so that you didn't have to
0: do the work yourself, yeah. that's different. Well, yeah, and then I think if you're... If you're you're...
1: Jesse's ex-girlfriend from college, who made him write her stuff. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs)
0: Jennifer?
2: Jesse did do (laughs) some of my own work. Yeah. Well, I wasn't
1: going to throw... I knew that, but I wasn't going to
2: throw you No, 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 no. On record, he helped me, and I I did my own work HSU. They can't take your degree back. You're good. I get a lot of (laughs) Facebook
0: ads for essay writing services. Like, college essay writing services. Oh, I actually
2: get ads for that, too, for me to, like, work for them, though.
0: I always click on them because I try to find that, because I want to do it. Because it (laughs) seems easy. Because they have it all, like, done almost like Uber, where there's, like, a middle app that does all the work, so you don't know who you're writing it for, and they never see you, and money never changes hands. Which I guess is better for cheating, it seems to say. There's plausible deniability, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know. Essay, yeah, uh, cheating in college is a different... Conversation. <laughs> that's a different episode altogether. So I think that's probably gonna be about it for tonight. Uh today. Yeah. Um this morning. This morning. This is an early up, guys. Yeah, so I guess
2: just go ahead and like dig deep into your inspiration, be okay with it. Don't live in fear <laughs> and don't steal.
1: Yeah, so, don't be a dick.
0: <laughs> if <laughs> you just steal, don't get caught.
1: Yeah.
0: Bye.
1: <laughs> See you